go John chapter 1 verse 11 through 12. It reads, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, if you would, Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Because, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be in the house of prayer. I pray that you would come and anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. I pray as well that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word and receive it with gladness in their heart. Father, I believe this morning's message is a game changer in, in somebody's life, if they will but receive it by faith. And so I pray that you would bring that powerful anointing of your spirit upon this word, Someone's life may be touched and forever changed. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to use as a subject this morning the apex of grace. I want to talk about what is the apex, what is the highest goal, the greatest achievement of the grace of God. We began discussing last week the grace of God and we discovered that grace is a doctrine that needs to be studied. Grace is a person that you can know. Grace is not simply an attribute of God, but God is grace itself. Grace is the foundation on which we stand. It is a dispensation of time in which we live. Therefore, we are living in the day of grace. Grace is not only that, but it is the power, it is a, a fountain of power from which you and I can draw to live a godly and a holy life. Grace is an inexhaustible source of God's mercy and God's love toward man. And the best de definition of grace is this, God's unmerited favor toward man. The fact that God shows a good, uh, favorable disposition toward sinful man is the very description of what grace is. But why has God brought grace to the world? Why is it that God has revealed His love to man? And why is it that the cross was necessary? Well, I want to take you back to the beginning for just a moment. And I want us to understand what was the great crisis of the fall of man. When Adam and Eve sinned against God in the Garden of Eden, they uh, were separated from God because of their sin. The Bible says that by one man, sin came into the world and death 
through sin. So that sin reigns in the world. You and I, when we were born, we were born into the bondage of sin. But you see, the greatest tragedy of the fall is not that that man was separated from his creator or that man was separated from his master. The greatest crisis of the fall is that man was separated from his father. You see, when sin came into the world, there resulted a wall of separation between God and his children. A wall of separation between the father and those that he loved. I want you to know, friend, that this is the greatest tragedy of the fall of man. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, the whole human race with them, there was born in man a gaping hole in his soul. The heart of an orphan was born into the heart of Adam. That is the result of the fall, is that man was born a spiritual orphan. A person, a man or woman born in sin is born with the heart of an orphan, someone who has been separated from the love of God. I remember one time in London, my family, my parents and I on a trip to Israel, uh, we were traveling through London by subway train, and uh, if you knew my parents, they were, they were not as outgoing as I am in terms of travel. So we got on the subway platform, and when the doors opened, there was such a press of people that my mom stepped on the train, and no one else got managed to get on. And the doors of the, of the train closed, and she was in London by herself. And uh, I'll tell you what, when I saw the look on her face as that train moved away, I thought, oh, I'm never going to see my mama again. I thought for sure that we had lost her. And I managed before that train took off to shout the name of the gate or the, uh, the name of the, of the station where we were going to get off. And somebody on the train uh, helped her find that place and we got reconnected. But I remember the look in her face, the terror in her eyes as she realized that she was in London, England, and she was alone in the world. And friends, I want you to think about that. The moment that Adam and Eve sinned against God, there was erected a wall of separation between the father and his children. And that, that anxiety was born in the heart of man. And that, fa- that father separation created in man an orphan's heart. Do you know what an orphan's heart looked like? That is the tragedy of the fall, that we were born with an orphan's heart. All of us were born that way. When I was in Swaziland several years ago teaching in, a, in one of the uh, high schools, we were there because Swaziland at the time had a 40% infection rate of AIDS. That meant four out of every ten Adults in Swaziland had AIDS. And there was an epidemic of this crisis going through the land of Swaziland. And I remember speaking as I was teaching to one of the classrooms and sharing the gospel with them. About 40 young men and I asked a question. I said, how many of you have lost a parent to AIDS? Everyone in the class raised their hand. I I thought that was tragic. And then I asked the second question. I said, how many of you have lost both parents to AIDS? Everyone in the class raised their hands. And you could feel a palpable tension of fear and anxiety as the whole, the whole group of us realized that there was a crisis. I was speaking to an entire class of young men who were orphans. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, it's not very different in the human race. When I preach, 
And, and, and when you and I share the gospel with people, we are really sharing the gospel with orphans, with people who do not know the love of the Father. An orphan heart looks like this. Number one, an orphan believes or feels that love is gained by performance. And so many people have this attitude toward God. They think God's love has to be uh, achieved or, or earned. I have to perform in order to receive the love of God. And if you are walking with the Lord this morning, but you feel like you might have to perform in order to get God's affection, then you may be carrying an orphan heart. It's that kind of sense that I have to earn this love. An orphan's heart is filled with fear and insecurity, not knowing where tomorrow's food is going to come from, not having the stability of knowing that whatever happens in my life, there's going to be somebody to take care of me. And so it is as well that spiritual orphans live in fear and insecurity, not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. And that insecurity brings all kinds of trouble into our lives. Not only this, but we see that an orphan has an isolation mentality. An orphan, uh, when you have an orphan heart, you can be in a house full of love, and yet that orphan heart will make you feel alone, make you feel isolated. Think about the Bible talks about uh, a parable where Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. One of the sons went to the far off country. We call him the prodigal. But the other son stayed at home, and he was just as lost as his brother. You know, he stayed at home, and the scripture says that after the, the brother came home and they had a big party, the, the older brother sat on the outside of the house moping and saying, Whoa, it's me. And he said, he said to his father, Dad, all the years I have done what you told me to do. I have performed like a class A son. That's really what he was saying. I have lived up to all of your expectations, and yet you never threw a party for me. You never gave me so much as a little, a, a little a lamb to go and have a feast with my friends. And his father said to him, Son, all that I have is yours. But you see, he had an orphan heart. He could not see the fact that everything his father possessed belonged to him. He felt alone and isolated even in the father's house. I believe I'm speaking to some orphans this morning who have known God the Father, but you have not known the benefit of being his son because you have been bearing an orphan heart. And I'll tell you this, friend, the greatest producer of orphan hearts is religion. When you get involved with religion and ritual and performance, there is no result other than having an orphan heart. An orphan also ends up always having to medicate their pain with money, with sex, with alcohol, with drugs, trying to find something, even work, to be able to get their, their mind off of the trouble that is in their life. Friend, I can guarantee you this. When you see those kind of abusive behaviors in somebody's life, you can guarantee there's an orphan spirit in there. There's an orphan heart. There's a brokenness in there that needs to be reconnected with the Father and a connection which only the Father can make and which the Father can restore. But can I give you some good news? Jesus said in John 14, 18, I will not leave you orphan. Did you hear what I said? Jesus said, I will not leave you orphan. You see, he understood that he came to a world full of spiritual orphans. He came to a world of people who were separated from the love of their father. 
But he also gave us a promise. He said, I will not leave you orphan. And I just want to make this declaration this morning. You've come to church. You're in God's house. You're hearing God's word. And I'm here to tell you, if you will believe God, you don't have to leave here an orphan. You can leave here knowing what it is to have a father. Somebody ought to give God praise. You can leave here having a complete transformation of your life and of your soul. And that's because there's a promise from God. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphan. And that implied to us that his ministry, the grace of God, came with a specific aim. Why did God give us his grace? This is why. So that he could restore the relationship between sons and the father. To restore the relationship between spiritual sons and our heavenly father. So let me explain to you what the Bible says. Number one, we read in John that the the Bible says Jesus came to his own. He came to the Jewish nation and his own received him not. They rejected him. But then we have this beautiful expression. It says, he came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him. How many of you have received him? As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. You see, you and I, if you have received Christ, you have been given the right to become a son of God. The Bible says that at the right time, Jesus came to be born of a woman born under the law, that he might redeem those who are under the law. And as a result, you and I have received the spirit of adoption. Did you know that when you came to Christ, God adopted you into his family? He adopted you into his heavenly family. You don't seem so excited about that this morning. But if you could see your spiritual condition prior to Christ, and if you could remember what it was like when you were an outsider looking in, you might not be so somber about this morning when I tell you that you have been adopted into the family of God. Can I tell you that adoption is a choice? Some of you are parents, and I have to tell you, parents, you didn't get to choose your kids, did you? You got what you got, and that's all, there's, that's all there is to it. But when a, when a couple adopts a child, they choose that child. They get to select and say, I want to adopt this child. Do you know that God the Father adopted you and me? He adopted you. He chose you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I chose you that you would bear much fruit. Somebody ought to give God praise. You have been chosen by God. Can I tell you this? He chose you even though he knew you. He chose me even though he he knew me. Can I tell you he knew us and yet he chose us. He saw us warts and all and he said I want that one. I choose that one. He selected you. He chose you and the Bible says that he pulled you out like a branding iron out, out of the fire. You were already destined for destruction. I was already destined for destruction. But he reached in and grabbed us and rescued us. And he chose us. He chose me knowing my faults and my failures. Sometimes when you're walking in this Christian walk, you make a mistake. You fall short and you think, oh man. God's not going to forgive me this time. I think God's going to say, you know what, Isaac? Let's go our separate ways. We have done this thing long enough. It's just not working out. But you know what? He knew that I was going to do that before he chose me, and he chose me anyway. He knew that I would fall and fall short, and yet he chose. Am I talking to anybody in here? 
I forgot. I, this is the saintly crowd. But I, I, I was preaching earlier, and that crowd understood that we were a nobody, but he chose us. We were sinners, but he chose us. We were lost, but he chose us. We were broken, but he chose us. He chose me. Hallelujah. We are the object of God's choice. We have been adopted, brought into the family. Now we have a father. We have a father. That means that we have his authority over our life. God the father is our spiritual authority. He has the rule over our life. Jesus put it like this. He said, I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. And I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. He was under the authority of the father. This is why there's so much insecurity in the heart of an orphan. When there is no authority, there is insecurity. It has been proven by, by uh, studies that children crave discipline. Now, not my kids, Pastor, but I assure you this, that when a child receives discipline, they receive security. They know there are boundaries. They know there are protections. They know that there is a line beyond which they cannot cross because there is an authority in their life. God the Father is our authority. Our security comes from walking under Him, from knowing Him and walking under His authority. Now, not only that, when we receive a Father, we also receive His affection. We receive the love of a Father. I'm talking to people this morning, maybe you've never known the love of a father. Maybe you never knew what it was like to have your, your father uh, put his hand on you gently and, and tell you, I'm proud of you, I love you. Maybe you don't know what it's like to be embraced by your father. But can I tell you, friend, that there is a father who is greater and transcends all earthly fathers. That God the Father loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with a divine affection, which the Bible says he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Behold, how great the love of the Father is. We talked about the dimensions of this love last week. And love so wide that it encompasses everyone. So high that it reaches the heart of God. So low that it can reach you in your deepest, in deepest pit and your darkest distress. That love of God is the surest thing you and I can enjoy. And you, when you walk in this spirit of adoption, you will know the love of the Father. There's absolute security in that love. It's a love that cannot be earned. And does not have to be earned. No amount of uh, religious activity can earn the love of the Father. It has been freely given. The Bible says, I have loved them out of pure grace. I have loved them freely. That's God's expression to us. Not only this, but having a Father means we have fellowship. We have communion with God. We're able to hang out with our Father. We have communion with God. Are you listening to church? The Bible says that we have fellowship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can know Him. We can know His voice. We can know His presence. We can understand when He is near. We can perceive His embrace because we have fellowship with Him. 
Can I tell you, friend, there is no deeper, no deeper joy than walking in fellowship with God. If you have come to know God as your saving Father, but you haven't come to know Him in fellowship, oh, there's an ocean more of delight that can be known in walking with God, in having fellowship with God, being able to understand what His will and purpose is for your life. And so we are told that we have been given the spirit of adoption. We have received a father. For, the, for that reason, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our creator who art in heaven. Does that sound about right? That's not how you learned it in catechism. What did he say? Our boss who art in heaven. Did he say that? No. Our master who art in heaven. No, he didn't say that. Did he say our father who art in heaven? Tell your neighbor, this is a family thing. Come on, tell him with some gusto. This is a family thing. I'm not talking to my boss. I'm not talking to my master. I, I'm not talking just merely to my creator. I am talking to my father. Our father who art in heaven. Our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. It's a family thing. There's a connection here that goes deeper than just a legal relationship. It goes deeper than simply earning uh, merits and, and getting a paycheck. This goes down to the very essence of who I am. You realize that the first time that Jesus spoke after the resurrection, Mary clung to him and he said to her, Mary, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Oh, he was telling Mary, Mary, my father is your father. You've been adopted into the family of God. You have been received as his very own child. Now, I want to, I want to talk about three results of this, uh, of this adoption. Are you ready? Did you bring something to write notes with? If you didn't, I know you're going to remember this, all right? And if you don't remember it, you're going to download the podcast. But I am about to tell you that this, this truth this morning is a game changer in your life. If you will understand what it is to be adopted, it will change how you pray. It'll change how you worship. It'll change how you live your life. Because many people live the spiritual life on the basis of performance. On the basis of getting some credits, some gold stars with God, some, some points and merits. But friends, God's grace has made you a son simply by believing in Jesus Christ as a Savior. And you ought to be rejoicing in that. You ought to celebrate that. Well, it's quiet in here this morning. It's quiet in here this morning. Let me ask you a question. Is there, are there any sons in here this morning? If you have been adopted, you have been given a new name, a new identity. That identity is a new name called son. When you have been adopted, now God calls you son. You know, in, in Spanish we say, mijo, mija, my son, my daughter. Doesn't feel good when somebody says, mijo, especially when they have a 50 in their hand, right? Mijo. <laughs> Call me mijo as often as you want. I want you to hear this morning that when God calls you, he calls you mijo, son. You got to learn to hear God's voice. Some of you, you hear 
you hear him say, hey, you. You hear anger and wrath, but that's not the voice of God. When God calls us, he says, son. He has given us a new identity. Galatians says in verse 6, because you are sons. He said, Pastor, why aren't you using the word daughter? Because God doesn't have any daughters. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean this. In the Old Testament, daughters received no inheritance. Only sons had legal rights to inheritance. Therefore, when Jesus came, and Paul writes about this in Galatians, he says there is neither male nor female. He says we have been called sons. So if, if that means that if you've been called a son, whether you're male or female, you have rights as an heir. You have rights as an heir with God. So he says because you are sons. Just say that out loud. I'm a son. Doesn't that feel good? That means I belong to somebody. I am his son. You are his son. Because you are sons. Listen, friend, if you receive Christ as your Savior, have you done that? You are a child of God at that moment. The moment you received Jesus as your Savior, you became a son of God. At that moment. The Bible doesn't say when you get to heaven, you'll be a son. It doesn't say when you achieve certain status, you'll be a son. It doesn't say if you get your 20-year badge for serving the Lord, you'll get, your, you'll get to be called a son. No, the moment you believe, you are given the identity of a son. You are given the title of son. You are no longer a slave, but a son. No longer an outsider, but a son. No longer a stranger, but a son. No longer an orphan, but a son. And sons have rights. That's why blind Bartimaeus, when he heard that Jesus was coming by, you remember blind Bartimaeus? He had been blind and he was on the side of the road begging and he heard that Jesus was coming by. And he said, this is my chance. This is my moment. And notice the title that he chose to call out to Jesus. He said, Jesus, son of David. Bartimaeus understood that if he is God's son, then he's got some rights. If he's God's son, then he's got to have some power. If he's God's son, then he's got to be able to do something for me. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about you. You are a child of the living God. You have a title, a name, son. That's my identity. I love it when God calls me servant. It's wonderful when God says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's more than that, isn't there? I really love it when he says, Mijo, son. It's a family thing. Tell your neighbor, this is a family thing. When I pray, I'm talking to my daddy, and he's talking to his son. 
This is a family thing. This goes, this goes beyond uh, human relationship. It transcends all the, other, all the other kinds of relationships that religion can offer. And he's given us the title, the identity of a son. But not only that, he has given us the nature of a son. Now, when you adopt somebody, you adopt a child, you take that child home, there is no way biologically to impart your DNA to that child. You can, you can do all you want, and it's going to take some time. That child will begin to grow and learn your behaviors, but you cannot impart your nature to that child. But God's not limited by that. So that when you and I were adopted into the family of God, when we were adopted into the family of God, God imparted to us the nature of his son. The Bible said that he has, because we are sons, he has given to us the spirit of his son. He has given us the Holy Spirit by which we cry out, Abba, Father. When you came to Christ, God gave you the nature of his son. He gave you his own DNA. He gave you his nature. Let me tell you this, friend. On the inside of you is the nature of God. On the inside of you is the nature of Christ. You say, Pastor, I don't know if that's true for me, friend. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, you have experienced a new birth, there's a new nature on the inside of you. There is something new on the inside of you. So listen, if God... If God the Father imparted the nature of his son to you, then that means that you can call him daddy. You can call him father. The Bible says by this we call God Abba, Father. The, the, the Greek word there, Abba, is a very tender, affectionate, intimate term like the, the term daddy. It is that kind of term that implies absolute intimacy between a father and his son. The only way that's possible is when you have been indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit of God is on the inside of you, he bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. That you have the, the very nature of God on the inside of you. So let me put it like this. You can love your neighbor because your father can. You can live in holiness because your father can. You can stop lying because your father tells the truth. You can break that habit because your father is not an addict. Come on, somebody. My father's nature is on the inside of me. I don't have to walk in shame because my father doesn't walk in shame. I can have financial prosperity because my father is the owner and possessor of all things. I can have the blessing of God because my father is the blesser. I am secure. Secure because my father is secure. I am whole because my father is. Am I talking to any children in here? Any sons of God? You have the nature of God. Now, whether or not you walk in that nature, that's on you. Let me ask you a question. Do you look like your daddy? Do you reflect the nature of God? You ought to. And if you don't, you ought to ask why not. See, when, when you and I look at ourselves in the mirror, remember we talked about the mirror last week, you look at yourself in the word of God and that reflects back to you, am I looking like my father? I can look like my father because his nature is dwelling on the inside of me by the Holy Spirit. So I have received the name. Anybody received the name? 
Anybody receive the nature of God? Well, then we receive one more thing, and we receive a, an inheritance. But the Bible says, since we are sons, then we are heirs. You have received an inheritance. Let's assume we go over to a big ranch here in, in, the, in, in the county. And out on that ranch, you have the ranch hands. And they're working the cattle, and they're putting up fences, and, and there is a, a boss out on that ranch calling all the shots, setting the schedule. And in the house, there's a little three-year-old son. Now that, that boss on that ranch, he has the word to say, go, go, stay, stay. He calls the shots. But that little boy, three years old, he owns it. Can't even drive the truck yet, but he owns it. Can't rope a cow yet, but he owns it. Are you listening to me? He, has an, he is an heir, not because of how old he is, not because of how much education he has, not because of how good he behaves in kindergarten. He is an heir. He is a son. And therefore, everything that belongs to the Father belongs to him. Can I tell you, friend, everything that belongs to God belongs to you because you are an heir of God in Christ Jesus. You have received the, the inheritance of his son, Jesus has righteousness, you and I have righteousness. Jesus has peace, you and I have peace. Jesus has joy, you and I have joy. We have an inheritance of every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We have been justified by faith, redeemed through his blood, forgiven of our trespasses. We have access to the throne of God, and we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. That is our inheritance as children of God. Now, if I were reading a will this morning and everybody had a piece of that will, you would be sitting in the, on the edge of your seat. So what, did they, what did they leave me? Well, I'm reading your will right now. I'm reading the last will and testament of your father. And he has left to you joy unspeakable and full of glory. He has left to you power in the midst of weakness, grace in the midst of trouble. And you and I have received an inheritance because we are sons of God. This is the apex of God's grace. That we have received the spirit of adoption. It is the single greatest result of the atonement on man's side. That we are no longer slaves, but we are sons. No longer orphans, but sons. No longer do we have an orphan's heart, but we have a son's heart. The orphan's heart thinks he must receive love on the basis of performance. A son in, uh, understands that all that needed to be performed was performed at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The son, an orphan, believes that, that there is no security. But the son has absolute assurance, blessed assurance even, because his confidence is in his father. The orphan heart is full of fear. The heart of a son is full of faith. He knows, I don't know what the future holds. But I know who holds the future. My daddy has got control of this thing. This life of mine is not going out of control. I have an eternal father who cares and is in control of my life. An orphan feels isolated in the house. But a son understands that he can enjoy communion with God. 
communion and fellowship with the Father. You see, friend, God sent Jesus to the cross to heal the heart of the orphan and bring him to himself, make him his son. And I want you to know this morning, God wants you to walk in this life as his son, not as an orphan, but as a son, not as a stranger, but as a son, not as an outsider, but as an insider sitting at his table, enjoying the very benefits of what he died on the cross to give you. This morning, are you living with an orphan heart? Have you yet to accept Christ as your Savior? Have you yet to receive him as your Lord? You hear what I read this morning? As many as received him, to them gave he the right to be called the sons of God. You must receive him in order to make him your father, in order to make him or to be a part of his family. Some people have the erroneous idea that we're all sons and daughters of God. I'm sorry to tell you, friend, that's not taught in the Bible. God's children have come to him through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're not in Christ and you're outside, and all that is needed to come in is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, to confess your sin to him, he will take that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. To take that orphan heart and give you the heart of a son. I want to ask you a question. Do you resemble the Father? Are there areas in your life that you need to bring under the authority of the Father this morning? Maybe you've been walking with God for a long time, but you have been walking with an orphan heart, trying to gain God's approval through performance. I'm here today to tell you, the joy is not in performing. The joy is in knowing Him. That all that needed to be performed was done for you at the cross. If there's areas of your life where you don't resemble the Father, I want you to come and lay them down at the foot of the cross this morning. And walk out of here with an assurance that Jesus has done all that was needed to make you right with the Father. And that He is at work in your life so that He can bring that three-year-old boy into fullness and maturity as a son and child of God. Are you a stranger to God's love this morning? I want to tell you, you can know the love of God if you'll just open up your heart to Him. He'll flood your life with joy, with love, and He'll give you a fresh start. Some of you desperately need a fresh start this morning. You need a game changer in your life. Can I tell you, grace is the game changer. Grace is the fresh start. Grace is the new beginning. And that grace is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in God's Son can make you part of the family. Nothing would, nothing would uh, bring joy to our heart more than to invite you in to the family of God. I want to invite, ask you one more question and this question to the church as well. Not only do you resemble the heart of the Father, but do you love what the Father loves? Do you love the Father's house? Do you love the Father's children? That's a tough one sometimes, isn't it? When you are in love with the Father, it's not hard to love what He loves. When you walk with Him and talk with Him, when you breathe the air of His presence, you begin to love what He loves. 
you begin to follow after his heart. And your desires and your passions become the desires and the passions of the heart of God. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. I want to make two invitations. The first is to you, friend, who don't know Christ. Congregation, would you just bow your head in prayer, please? You say, Pastor, I don't know the love of God. I don't know the grace of God. I've heard of it from a long way off. Maybe you have heard of it from your childhood, but you've never experienced God's forgiveness in your life. If you die in your sin, friend, you'll die eternally separated from God. Without hope. But today, if you hear His voice, voice of a father crying out to a child saying, come, be reconciled to me. Come be free. Come be made new. Today can be your day.